respect you, we let you stay. Just <laughs> <laughs> like that. Hey, I wanted to remind you that this is a special weekend because you won't be reminded from many other sources, unfortunately. A French statesman asked James Madison, how long do you think your experiment in government will last, this democracy? And James Madison answered, as long as the people remember what it cost. We think so often in terms of our nation having come to us all polished, well-formed, manufactured, no flaws. We fail to realize that America was bred and born in a briar patch. It was a hard, long experience of our forefathers as they moved from the quiet home sites of the eastern shore, taking on the strongest government on earth in order to do only one thing, and that is to get respect and to be free. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. America is unique. It is the one nation that arose from a plan not contingent on any society that preceded it, planned in every sense of the way in which the people would rule themselves, the people would be blessed by the nation that they would become, not inheriting a way of life, not inheriting a government, free to create for themselves what they feel will give them the most joy in life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Remembering these days and thinking back upon our beginnings is especially pertinent because Robert Browning said, God's in his heaven, all's right with the world. And he's exactly right. God is in his heaven. All is right with the world. The sun rises and the sun sets. The trees leaf. The flowers bloom. The water falls. The seasons come and go. It's unchanged. It is the beauty of God's creation the way that he wanted it to be. It's humanity that's giving God the problem. God's in his heaven, but not all is well with humanity. Just a few days ago, a bomb set to take the lives of many was discovered and the plot was thwarted. Not long after that in Scotland, there was another attempt to take the lives of innocent people, not by one nation pitted against another nation, but by terrorists who are bent only on one thing, and that is destroying life and the quality of life of others. We're living in a day unlike any previous day. America has come through many wars, the war for independence, the Civil War, the War of 1812, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, presently the Iraq War. 
But the war we're fighting now is unlike any that we have fought before. We knew who our enemies were. We knew where to find them. We knew how to take away their threat, take over the country, bring about peace. Our enemy is scattered today in every nation of the world. Our enemies lie in wait. We have no true enemy in one nation. We have strained relationships, but no true enemy. But the enemy of our world today are those who are bent on destroying, not gaining, destroying, taking away, not building something better, destroying what's there and what's good. Never has there been a time in which the people need to turn to a power greater than themselves because we cannot do it with our own resources. The problem is too great. The threat is too overwhelming. If only we could remember how our forefathers on this continent ill-equipped the ragtag people of America fighting for ideals and possibilities against slavery. And by the power of God, they overwhelmed that which was far greater than themselves in strength and power, letting us emerge in time as the greatest nation on earth. In God we trust. One nation under God. These are the slogans of our country, born not of recent vintage, but from the beginning. At a time in which the people of America needed to identify who they were. I tire of those who would rewrite history and omit those things that they do not approve, adding things that are not truly objective, in time, we soon fail to remember that we have a spiritual beginning. On this land that promised so much, there came groups of people. For what reason? To find freedom to worship God. Don't forget that. Who came? to Massachusetts Bay? Who came to Plymouth Rock? Who came to Savannah? Pilgrims, Puritans, who were being suffocated in England, not allowed to worship according to their own way. They wanted to worship God above everything else, and they made the perilous journey into a new land that was filled with unknown terrors. But they were willing to undergo any inconveniences, any circumstances, if they could only worship their God the way they wanted to by conscience. Back in the Korean War, there was a Korean woman who stumbled into a South Korean village, and her feet were frostbitten. She had climbed to the heights of the mountains trying to escape North Korea and get down into South Korea. And she was taken to a medical unit. And the doctor scolded her. He said, why did you come here? You'll lose your feet. They're frostbitten. We can't save them. You'll lose your feet. You should not have come. And she said, they took away my Bible. They took away my church. I can't live without my Jesus. And I can't live without my feet. 
how many have sacrificed while we have lived off the best of the land, sacrificed in order to be able to call God and let him respond. This is why they came. I have read so many articles on the Founding Fathers, how they have been misinterpreted as being religious people, trying to convince us that they were not religious, but that they were practical men trying to establish a nation of economics. Let me dispel that once and for all. As they say on the NBC News, what is it they say on NBC News? <laughs> his own words, in his own words. That's what it is. John Adams. John Adams did more to bring about the revolution than any other man. His cousin Samuel was the true instigator of a dream of freedom, but he lacked the finesse and the intellect of his cousin John. John persuaded in a very strong way those who were reticent to seek independence. In the beginning, there was a desire to reconcile to Britain, not break away. We don't want to become a nation apart. We want to be respected. We want to be treated like citizens. If you're going to tax us, let us represent ourselves in the taxation. Don't impose upon us as though we were not citizens. England wouldn't listen. It was a long time before they talked about independence. All they wanted in the beginning was to be treated as citizens of their country. John Adams said, the general principles upon which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. John Hancock, without God's whole blessing, the best human counsels are but foolishness. Patrick Henry, it cannot be emphasized too clearly and too often that this nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Benjamin Franklin, God governs in the affairs of men, and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. I firmly believe this. I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political builder no better than the builders of Babel. George Washington says, it is impossible to govern the world without God and the Bible. And before taking his oath of office, Washington summoned the Bible on which to take the oath and when he had taken his oath, he added these words on his own, so help me God, and he leaned over and kissed the Bible. James Madison, we have staked the whole future of American civilization, not upon the power of government, far from it. We've staked the future of all our political institutions upon our capacity to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. And Thomas Jefferson, whom the many tried to take religion out of our state by 
quoting Thomas Jefferson, saying that he never wanted state and church to be related. Thomas Jefferson said, God who gave us life gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis? A conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift from God. Now, you've heard it. The mouth of the person who someone else will misquote. Our nation was built upon the backs of those who came to find a place where one can serve and know God in their own way. We've talked often, and if you attended one of the sessions I did on Wednesday night, when we talked about the separation of church and state, America is a Christian nation built by Christian forefathers, built on Christian principles. But we are not a nation controlled by religious principles and a religious leader who speaks for God, as was true of the nation of Israel. We have a covenant. Israel had a covenant with God. God said, these are the things you're to do. These are the rules you're to keep. I'm the one you're to worship. I'm your God. I will speak to you through the kings. I will speak to you through the apostles. That was a covenant God made with Israel. We are the inheritors of that covenant. But God did not make a covenant with America. Our founding fathers made a covenant with the people of America. They who rule our government are the ones who are to do the bidding of the people. Government is to serve the people. People are not to serve the government. In the contact that God had with Israelites, they all served God. We serve God individually in America, not as a nation. We're too many. We're too divided to accomplish that. The Israelites were the descendants of one man. We are descendants of many, of many nations, of many backgrounds, of many cultures. But each one of us individually can have a spiritual relationship with God in the freedom that this land allows us to have that freedom to worship. Now, I hear from time to time people saying that we are a covenant nation with God and that not, there is no separation between church and state because they are one and the same. That sounds good, except this is one of the real battles that were fought before the Constitution could be adopted. The Constitution was adopted by the way in which James Madison wrote it and the corrections made by others. And it was approved by every one of the colonies except Rhode Island. And Rhode Island said, we will not approve the Constitution because there is no guarantee that the government will not tell us how to worship. There was nothing in the Constitution to prevent the government from establishing a religion and America would become just what England was, that the 
people who came as pilgrims and Puritans had to escape there in order to worship according to their own conscience. If that constitution had been adopted, if Rhode Island had not demurred, it could easily have been within a short period of time that a state religion would be declared and we wouldn't be Methodists, we'd all be Anglicans because Virginia was Anglican. Virginia was the largest of all the colonists and Anglican, the Anglican faith was the official religion of Virginia. Congregationalism was the official religion of Massachusetts and in their constitution it was proclaimed as the official religion. You had to be an Anglican. You had to be a Congregationalist or you would suffer for it. We had Quakers in Pennsylvania. We had Roman Catholics in Maryland. We had Jews in South Carolina and New York. We had people from various backgrounds who would be shut out of their religion if we were to have a state religion. And every responsible group in the beginning wanted no state religion so that everyone could worship according to their own conscience. And so we did not become a covenant nation with God through one religious body. We became a covenant nation by the government under God, for the people, by the people. Abraham Lincoln, when he saw the nation crumbling apart, reminded the people on that austere day, this nation will have a new birth of freedom, and this nation of the people, and by the people, and for the people, under God, will not perish from the earth. Now, we have courts that want to remove it, bit by bit, to say the Pledge of Allegiance, they want us to quit saying under God, under what kind of leadership they might envision. Each one has his own, I suppose. But if this nation ceases to be in contact with God through the principles upon which our nation was built, then we will lose the favor of God. We will be a nation as any other nation claiming no special blessings from God. This nation under God will have a new birth of freedom. Woven in all of our history is the story of people wanting to know God in their own way. We have freedom today as far as individual churches are concerned as long as you stay in your churches. But bit by bit, keep religion out of the marketplace, out of the public places. And like occurred in Nazi Germany, first Nazism took away the professorships in the university, took away the ministers out of the churches. Bit by bit, they encroached upon the leaders until there were none there. And then there was no one to stand up against what was left. The 4th of July ought to be a time of regeneration, of remembering, and rededicating ourselves to the principles that were enacted by our founding fathers. A nation built upon Christianity and the principles of Christianity. A 
nation whose laws are consistent with the Ten Commandments given to the Jewish nation, a people who are free from their government, free from their government. Thomas Jefferson said, when the government becomes a tyrant, there may need to be another revolution. Well, I told you I was going to give you a political address. Perhaps <laughs> I haven't been appointed to say this, but I want to tell you that was wonderful. Well, thank that you. That presentation was made before a joint session of Congress. Well, thank you. <laughs> It's great to look good and sound good, too. <laughs>